critique. Christine's got an ice pack on her knee. Yes, I do. I got a cat on my lap. We're ready to go. We're ready to do this thing. Ready to talk about movies that involve subtle lesbianisms. Right? Very subtle. That's very subtle in some cases. Less subtle in other cases. <laughs> but easily the tying theme of the week. It's a yes, I, be- I believe in a different way. I believe that this this was the theme of the show. That's, you know, that's what I thought going in, and I am kind of happy to say that my thoughts were confirmed. So I feel like I like we planned something right. It always makes me feel good. Christine, what movies are we going to talk about today? We're talking about 1996's Foxfire mm-hmm. and 2012's Passion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a exciting mix of films with starring girls with many different hair colors. Yes. That's also a, a time. <laughs> very accurate. Yes, there are some there's some very red hair in both that we will get to. Now, before we do that, Christine, what's going on in life? Anything uh, new to tell the world? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Other than you hurt your knee and I have a hole in my pants. That's really all we've got. <laughs> Seriously, guys, it's been a slow couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, and when we get to what we've been watching, I will show you how slow it's been. I feel like mine's going to be slower. Oh, I don't think that's possible. Oh, you you don't think? How many movies you got? Oh, I have three. Oh, damn! I have four. There was one that I only watched <laughs> half of, but I'd seen it before, so I figured I should count it. Damn, well, you, you win yeah. this scenario. Well, I only have three unless I've already talked about VHS. No, I don't think you have, so start with that one. <laughs> I've talked about this with so many people, I really can't remember who's heard me bitch about it at this point. This is the first film or the sequel or both? This is the first film. I haven't seen the second one yet. No, I have not yet been able to get through the movie. Which, now, like, I watched some pretty shitty movies. Yes, you do. Good, sh- good movies. With VHS, I had heard so much about it, and I was excited because I really like this whole, like, revival of horror anthologies. Because <laughs> when I go back and look at, like, anthologies from the 80s and 70s, I just, I love anthologies because it's the whole, they can never be that bad because even if a story's bad, you're out of there in 20 minutes, right? Exactly. Um, VHS, I tried watching... And I got through, like, the first two stories, I think, and I was just, I'm like, okay, so the moral of this is that all men are assholes, and they're going to be assholes to women, and then they'll get comeuppance. And I'm just so tired and annoyed by it that I just have not had the energy to finish it. I understand why. It's very long, too. So have you watched the first one before? No. Okay. This is the first time watching it. I didn't feel compelled to watch it. It wasn't like, oh, I need to see this. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, when you're trying to, uh, sounds stupid to say, but catch up on modern horror, yeah, like, there's, like, stuff that seems to be glaring. Well, like, oh, the fact that this has a sequel already yeah. is certainly saying this movie had some influence. Exactly. Like, hey, you know, you, you saw this, this, and this, but have you seen VHS? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I haven't, so and I guess I should. Netflix is really trying to shove that one down my throat. It really is. Every time I go to, like, what's new on Netflix or, like, recommended for you, they're convinced that I would love VHS too. Um, well, I've heard it's not as good as the first one, which I don't know what that says. Um, I feel like we should cover it, uh, honestly, and do a breakdown of each each segment. Because okay. each segment, I didn't like any of it, but each segment, well, the last segment's not that bad. You might like the last segment. Okay. Um, I didn't like any of it, but there were distinct reasons why I didn't like them. Okay. You, ca- I can't say one big, like, this is why I didn't like it. Um... <clears throat> 
that being said, like I said, we should cover it. But also, um, Ty West's segment, I don't know if you got that far. I don't remember if I did. Um, I have so much to say about that, so we should just cover it. Is That's this all one I... that we're going to save for, like, when we want to be, like, angry, um, humorless feminists? Should we <laughs> save it for that kind of episode? I think that, that a lot of that could happen, but I think just as, as horror fans, there's a lot of... Okay. A lot to say, but in my official rating, I gave it a four. Okay. Are you going to watch the next one? Still? Yes. Okay. But this was this runtime on this was also like two hours. What's up with that? Why are all it was so long? long. God. And, and I was like, oh, gotta be almost done with this. Half over. Mm-hmm. Half over. Yeah. Oh, it really felt its time. Um. So, and it made me want to watch ABCs of Death, which I know you have opinions on, and yeah. I still. I still really want to say. I'm very curious for your overall thoughts on that one. Yeah, um, I, I I plan on watching it. And it's I mean, f- that one is long. I'd say even less, like two and a half hours. But the, it's broken up into short segments that, like, you know, you're getting into that. And yeah, I can't imagine watching that movie straight through. Um, but I. Oh, you know what? You're not the only one I've heard say that. Just the pacing um, of two minute films or four minute films gets really tiring. Yeah, even just the, the pacing of this VHS got tiring. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to split it up, but I, I had a feeling if I stopped watching it, I'd never start. That's again. what happened to me. I watched, I think, the first segment, planning on keep just watching the whole thing, and I was like, I'm tired, and I don't want to finish this. And I went back to the second segment, and I was just, I stopped it, and I was like, I'm never going to, whatever, I'll keep it on my queue, I'll get to it. And it's been about a year and a half now since that happened. All right, well, we should we should cover it. Okay, I'll put it on the long list. I just wrote it down, so yes. that means it's it's solid, unless I forget to save the document I have it up on. Well, I'll remind you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I then finally got a disc in the mail from Netflix because I, I forgot that they offer that service. <laughs> um, I watched The Counselor. That Oh, this is the, um, what's his face? Cormac McCarthy. Yes. Film. I didn't know who you were going to go with, so I just sat and you waited for yes. you to say I, it. I could have said, like, this is the uh, uh, Jenny Lewis film, and you would have agreed. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would have said Careful. that's a different movie. Not every movie can be Troop Beverly Hills and Foxfire, Christine. <laughs> if only. Um, I, did, I heard The Counselor wasn't good. Um, I should have seen it because it's a Fassbender movie, and I'm pretty current on my Fassbender output. Um, I hated it. Really? Yeah. I don't. I don't know why they keep putting Cameron Diaz in movies. Yeah, right. Um, it, I got through it though, which is which is something. I'm happy that I got through it, but I didn't like it at all. Um, no, are you, have you read Cormac McCarthy at all? No, I I own The Road, but I'm afraid to read it because I don't want to cry. Um, but. I, I don't know. A lot. I, I would be interested to read the source material because I feel like there was a good story in here somewhere. It's not necessarily the story that I had an issue with. I, I just had an issue with the direction. Like, um, Javier Bardem, fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. You know how I feel about Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, you know, personal feelings aside, he's, he does what he does. Um, so it should, this should have been, like, the best movie ever made. But there was something about the direction I just... Who made it? Was it Ridley Scott? Or am I yeah, it yeah, Scott. it was. Yeah, see, I, I love Cormac McCarthy's books of the, the few that I've read. And I was intrigued because I'm like, oh, okay, I wonder what he would do with a, sc- a screenplay. And then I haven't, I've heard like one person, I can't remember who was like, it's bad, but it's interesting bad. 
But everything I've heard about it has just been so dreadful where I'm like, I don't even know if I want to try it. Like, yeah. Is it entertaining or is it just bizarre and bad? Um, again, I made it through it. So it couldn't have been, there had to have been something there. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, yeah, the, the story, it seems like there was only like certain parts of us. We were only getting certain segments of a story presented to us, okay. which I mean, with most adaptations that's going to be the case right because i mean a dense novel is is you can't take every aspect of it and throw it on screen um but it didn't it didn't feel cohesive and 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 i I made the bold proclamation of i really only like fassbender when he's sad he was he was sad at the end of this movie spoilers but there was a big chunk of this movie where he was just like I don't know who said be as cocky and unlikable and do your best version of an, an American man that you don't like. Mm. And it's just it was just like, okay, well, am I, do I hate this character? Because I don't feel like the story's telling me I should hate this character, but you're telling me I should hate this character. So this movie needed more scenes of Michael Fassbender eating an ice cream cone and the ice cream oh. falling off of the cone is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, that's, that's what I want my life to be. Obviously. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, you might as well take a look at it. I'm it's, mildly intrigued. Yeah, if you, if you never see it, you're not missing anything, though. Gotcha. Um, and then I went to the movie theater Did to you? see um, Amazing Spider-Man num- number two. You'll never guess this. Did you see it too? I did too. Oh my gosh! This is yeah, that's totally out of left field for me. Uh, I yeah, me your too. I, yeah. I saw it at midnight too. I saw it. Oh my god, Christine. Oh my god, what? I would, so, okay, I, we know this. I don't go to the movies very often. It's and true. Although, I, although recently, it seems like you do. Well, only for the Muppets. That's true. That was the last one. But, like, I was out visiting friends out in Long Island, and we had dinner, and they're like, what do you want to do now? I'm like, go to sleep. It's 10 o'clock. Like, Let's go to the movies. I'm like, well, what? And so they're looking at the movies to see, and they see Spider-Man 2, and I'm thinking, I haven't seen, even seen the first one. I have no desire to see this. But then I'm thinking, wait, so if we go and I fall asleep, it really doesn't matter. I'm not going to feel bad about it. It's um, true. So that's why, kind of why I agreed to go. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I want to hear you first. Um, I saw the first one. Oh, yeah. What did not, you the first one? I'm not going to take the original trilogy into account. Those movies are them. But I don't like the people that keep comparing it to the Raimi movies. They're not the same movies. Well, Stop that's it. that's why I didn't want to see it. was not because I thought, oh, it's going to be the same movie, but because I really do feel like I've, like, everything about the previews and what I knew about the characters being, and I'm like, they really are the same. It, it kind of is the same story. Yeah, the, that's that was my big issue with the first one. I thought, like, I felt like the first one was completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Completely unnecessary. Yeah. I I've n- never sat in front of a TV and said out loud to myself, is this, is this over? I want, please let this be over. It was so unwatchable for me. I could not get through that first one. Mm-hmm. I thought it was completely unnecessary. I had seen previews for this one that made me think, all right, maybe this will be a little better. Mm-hmm. Plus the boy from Chronicle is in it. He plays Harry Osborn. Uh, you mean the, the creepy Leonardo DiCaprio like with the crazy Hitler banks? I love that kid. He, he looks like great. a crazy vampire. I, I want great. to have sex with him. I don't um, want to have sex with him. Well, then, thank you. I will I, I will take care of that you, for both of us. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, there's something for me in this movie at the very least. Plus, I enjoyed Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he nailed Peter Parker. Yep. Um, so, see this movie. 
okay, I thought it was way better than I, it was way better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, there were things that I didn't like. Um, a lot of it was. There's big spoiler territory, so I don't want to get yeah, into all of it. Not, let's not, because that's a really good spoiler. Um, I I know I knew it was coming, kind of, but I didn't know they were doing it in this movie, yeah. so I was surprised. But um, he and Emma Stone's relationship was adorable and cute. I loved their interactions; they were the God, cutest things so, ever. So cute. But I hated how, for some reason, they manufacture strife in their relationship, like this weird on again, off again thing that made no sense. Yeah, and like and. A, like, Every other scene, they're breaking up, they're together, they're breaking up, they're together. It's like, I really love you, but I'm going to break up with you. But, and that didn't make any sense to me. You know what would have made sense to me? You know what happened at the end of the first movie? Her dad died. But no one talks about that. She didn't say once, like, Peter, I just need some time. My dad just died. gets, like, ghosted and stuff by the dad. But he gets ghosted. She never deals with it. I know. She's got the future to think about. She gave a whole speech about it. Didn't you listen to their graduation valedictorian speech, Christine? Oh, uh, yeah, they played I it was still five. awake at that point. So. Did you fall asleep? Okay, yeah. So I went into it knowing, like, I'm probably going to fall asleep. And that's fine. Because I, again, had no desire to see it. It was purely like, oh, all right, fine, friends. I'll, I'll go with you. So you don't have to drop me off and go out of your way. Um, so I fell, I kind of kept dozing. I fell asleep probably about 30 minutes in. Uh, woke up right at a moment where... Um, Gwen and Peter meet in an elevator and are like, oh, hey, what have you been doing? Oh, actually, I've been doing this. And he's like, oh, I've been doing this. And I'm like, thanks, guys. You just totally told me exactly what I <laughs> They They ca- got you up to speed. It was, it was really considerate of them. Um, kept going, fell asleep during, like, Electro's first kind of rampage. Fell, woke up, fell asleep again. I know that I did miss, like, I missed, like, the key Sally Field scene. Because I yeah. was, like, at the end of the... My she was... Them, great in this. She's always great. See, my thing, though, by the end of this movie, because I did wake up for, like, I woke up, I'm like, okay, I think this is the big, I'm like, I think this is a big finish. No, this is, like, one of the big finishes. And I look at the time, and sure enough, it's like, okay, we still have 45 minutes of this movie left, so I should stay awake now. It did, it was one of those that ended seven times. Oh, God, yes. Like, oh, it's it's over. Oh, it's over. Like, I missed the Sally Field scene, which I know everybody has raved about. Because then I was a kind of like, I'm like, I love Sally Field, but you could have taken her out of this movie. It wouldn't have hurt. Um, yeah. I really think uh, this movie was offensively bloated. It oh, my gosh. It was two hours yes. and 20 minutes. You could have cut Electro. You could have had Green Goblin be the only villain. Well, and Rhino, but that's fine because Paul Giamatti made me laugh. You could have just had, I guess, and I'm guessing they didn't want to do it because, A, you sell more toys if you have two villains. And B, um, if it was just Green Goblin, it would have then made people like me say, oh, so it is just the Raimi movies again. Well, they're also heading, I don't know how much you know about Spider-Man. I have very limited knowledge, but I've heard about it, and it's all I've heard about. Um, but they're going towards a Sinister Six movie. Yes, that's, that's so what I've been they, told. So they had to have everybody. Yeah. But I think that Green Goblin was an act. I think, I thought that Green Goblin was an afterthought, and then I think it was confirmed in something that was read to me, mm. that he, setting him up as a bad guy in this movie was an afterthought. Ah. Uh, like, it was just supposed to be Harry. Some, like, messed up production, because they also were supposed to, Shailene Woody, Woodley was supposed to be Mary Jane Watson in this movie. She filmed. Yeah, they didn't. How I, what could you have put those scenes in this movie? Well, I heard that, that, and I don't know how much this, of this is true or like third-hand knowledge, but I heard that people didn't want 
that, that they were afraid because a, a big fan base for this movie is your people, tweens. They didn't want to introduce Mary Jane while oh, uh, no, it didn't make while sense. she was still alive because ooh, spoilers. <laughs> oh, shit. Now I gotta edit. Now you don't. People minutes. Okay, I could just everybody knows. But okay. they didn't want to introduce her in the same movie that had that other thing going on. But I think, and then also, I think what happened was, um, uh, they she, they realized Shailene Woodley has like the next eight years of her life are going to be filming Divergent, so now they may actually have to recast her. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. But it just it like it so that coupled with like kind of what you're saying makes me think that this like the first movie, which was rushed into production for the rights issue. Like, this movie had a lot of, I think, filming before it was ready kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was offensively too long. Where It, it was, was just, pretty long, yeah. Like, you had so many repetitive scenes of them breaking up and getting back together. You had so many scenes of Aunt May saying the same thing. Of Electro not being that interesting a villain, I thought. And so on. However, um, I loved Andrew Garfield. And I hadn't, mm-hmm. again, I hadn't seen him in the last one. But I never really liked Tobey Maguire in the Spider-Man movies. I just thought he was boring. And when he was Spider-Man, yeah, me too. Boring. But Andrew Garfield, who is just charming and I've always liked, when he's Spider-Man, he still, he feels like Peter Parker. Like, I see him in there. Even if his mouth isn't moving, I still see that's Andrew Garfield. Um, him and Emma Stone are just painfully cute together. They are very cute together. Even though all of their scenes were so redundant, I didn't mind because they made them so enjoyable to watch. Um, I also, I really liked Gwen Stacy. I like that she is a, you know, independent little young woman and gets to say things like, this is my decision. You don't get to make decisions for me and so on. So I appreciated that. Uh, the, all of the, I don't know, the action looked good, I guess, but it just also feels not that exciting to me, I guess. Um, oh, fun fact. You can see my brother in this movie. Oh, fun. Extra during the, um, he's like a some special extra in the early, like the first like 10 minutes when they're doing a montage of New York city and they show a whole bunch of street performers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look to the right of the screen, there's a guy in silver makeup and that's my brother. Oh man. I'm sure I'll see this again. So I will look look. for that. Um, but yeah, overall I didn't, I didn't hate it. And I really thought I was going to, um, I think there were, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see a third. I would go see a third one. I don't know yeah. if I would see it in a theater, but I would watch it eventually. Uh, yeah, it was just so long. At this point, I am I am in the franchise. I am committed to the franchise. Yeah. Uh, they did a lot of things wrong, but enough right to yeah. keep me from complaining about it too and much. So. I will say I enjoyed this one much more than I enjoyed any of the two Raimi movies that he's Yeah. Well, what else did you see then? Because Wait, you I'm done. Wait, you don't you? No. Oh. I had three. The other uh, three that I saw, um, the one where I, when I was waiting for a ride to go to dinner before going to see Spider-Man, um, flipping around the channels, and I got to cram in a good 45 minutes of a little movie you might have heard of called Kindergarten Cop. I have heard of that. Uh, it's been way too long since I've seen it. By way too long, I mean like a year, because it's on TBS every five minutes. But I love this movie. It's so ridiculous. I haven't seen it in a very, 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 very long time. It's, um, I mean, it's totally really messed up. I really feel like it's kind of inappropriate, because you have this really cute, sweet kids movie with, like, guns and drug addicts ODing, and it's a little much for kids, I think. Uh-huh. But we were tougher in the eight or the early 90s, what can we say? Uh, and watching this, you know what it made me think? 
What did it make you think? It made me think, if you were to remake this movie, how you could totally do it if you cast Terry Crews. Uh, it would have, but it, the chances of that ending horribly are, are very good. I just, no, no. No, no you no. don't think so? No, I know everybody's going to say Vin Diesel, but no, I think Terry Crews in the Arnold role in this movie could be aces. Aces, Christine. Okay, write, a, write up a, um, a treatment for her and get it over to him. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Um, the other things I watched, one was on... Um, I got into like a TCM DVRing uh, marathon where I just went through the TCM schedule for the week uh, and recorded a bunch of things. One uh-huh. of which was a musical from 1949 called Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Mm-hmm. Starring Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, and Esther Williams. Uh, you, I don't think, would have any desire to see this movie. Thank uh, you. I'm sure some of our classier listeners might have. Not this there. girl. Uh, it is, it's, it's not that good as far as a movie goes. Um, you kind of feel like they basically got a couple of really great performers and decided baseball, musical, let's make a baseball musical. But the story isn't that great. Um, however, some of the, the sequence, the musical sequences are great. And it's actually, it, it is really funny. Like I was laughing out loud watching it. Um, Frank Sinatra dancing. I didn't really realize Frank Sinatra could dance and he's dancing next to Gene Kelly. Not really um, you know, matching him, mm-hmm. uh, but holding his own, holding his own. And Gene Kelly is just so fucking good to watch. Like he just, he does a jig for like 10 minutes and he doesn't even catch his breath. He's got a smile on his face the whole time. It's amazing. <sighs> Sorry. Just, no, it's like, okay. I'm have... angry. Cause he's just like, he's so good that it, it's almost infuriating for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. You got really mad. It's okay. Like, I was reading, like, the behind the scenes. Apparently, Esther Williams hated doing this movie because she thought Gene Kelly was an asshole. And Gene Kelly, like, was really, didn't like her and was very dismissive and didn't like that she was taller than him. But I'm watching this, I'm like, well, then, bitch, you shouldn't have been as tall because Gene Kelly is the star. I don't know. Like, I just got very, I'm like, he's great. <laughs> That's my point. And then the last thing I watched, I was like, I want to stream something. I'm away to work and coming home from work. What do I want to watch? What do I want to watch? And I've been watching, like, so many new movies lately because most of what's... The majority of what's on Netflix Instant that I haven't seen are all new stuff, especially for horror movies. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm like, oh, you know what? Mario Bava. I need to watch more Mario Bava. And I, I thought this was a very different movie than what it was, but um, it's a fun one. And it's... On Netflix, it's called Kidnapped. I think it's more common titles, Rabid Dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very sweat. To say a very sweaty George Eastman is like saying a, I don't know, very short Danny DeVito. Uh, but George Eastman, man, the dude can sweat. Like, dangerously. I wish that's what I was known for. You can be, if you probably eat a lot of salt. Okay, I'll up my salt intake. Have you ever seen this? No. I think... It, it, I mean, I... It's been on my radar yeah. for a million years. I believe the Gentleman's Guide covered it a year or two ago. Um, I've definitely heard it covered on podcasts, and I know Gigi Kimsey definitely was one of them. Yeah. I think this had a really weird release story where it was apparently, it's, it's a 70s film. It was filmed in the 70s, but then wasn't released then. It, like, I think the studio went bankrupt, and then they, like, I think Mario Bava's son maybe mm-hmm. uh, had to like add extra scenes in in like 1992 and it was released in 95 something really really weird it doesn't feel like it feel it didn't feel 
mashed together. It just felt like a kind of sleazy 70s kidnapping movie. Uh, it's fun. It's really sleazy and really icky. And my God, Italian sweat. Like, I should know this. I'm Italian, uh, but I'm apparently <laughs> not that Italian. So that, that's a solid recommend for me. Oh, it's a recommend, especially if okay. you just are really feeling like you just need to shower. Okay, yeah. Like, before you want to shower, you're like, I want to get dirty before I shower. I'm going to watch Rabbit Dog. Yeah. That's how I'd say Yeah, that was all my movies. It's just been a busy that's... week elsewhere. Oh, I watched the entirety of True Detective. So ah, I still that's kind. Of, that's kind of where I was, that's too. A, did you enjoy it? Do you think it was worth all the raves that people have been throwing at it? It was really, really good. I'm surprised that it got so popular. Mm, gotcha. It doesn't seem like the thing that people would like. Understood. Um, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, good, good. I'll get to it eventually. When it's on Amazon Prime in three years, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it was on HBO, right? Yeah, but I don't have HBO. Um, I heard there, there's that deal, right? That HBO shows are going to end up on Amazon Prime? But new shows are going to be like... Like... either. Well, that's the thing. is It's like three years for... What's a show that's on... See, I think it's like three years... Okay, let me see if I can use my words. I Go believe ahead. a show Try. like Sex and the City that's been off the air for a long time now will be available in its entirety. Mm-hmm. A show like Enlightened, which just ended, I think you might have to wait three years. A show like Game of Thrones that's still on, I don't think they've um, basically put that in the deal yet, so that's yeah. going to be unavailable. So True Detective, which is sort of in like a no man's land because it's a miniseries technically, but no, it's not because I think for Emmys they went for the like full category. That probably won't be on Amazon Prime until the show is over. Hmm. And by well, then, that's a shame. Christine, by then we're not going to be watching things. We're going to be streaming them through our eyeballs on the moon. That's true. I'm going to inject it into my veins. Come on, we can't look that far ahead. Um. Yeah, I think you would like it though. One of these days. Uh, did you have a hard time telling Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson apart? No. Okay. Because I never thought they looked that much alike, but then I saw the poster for, for True Detective, and I honestly didn't know which one was which. And it worried me. It worried me a lot. Kind of like in Kindergarten Cop, how there's Penelope Ann Miller has this, like, blonde little, like, poodle short haircut, and uh-huh. the drug, like, the girl who's supposed to be the witness, who's a drug addict, has the same exact haircut. And as a child, I remember seeing this in the theater, and I was so confused as to why this kindergarten teacher was also a drug addict and why she's dead, but now she's not dead in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, just saying, it bother me sometimes. Uh, on that note, <laughs> because I think, speaking of haircuts and hair colors, both very important for both films we're going to talk about. Perfect segue. Exactly. Amazing. We just won points. We should stop now before we do anything ever again. Because it will never be as good. Let's face it, never as good. We're going to take a break, come back. Should we go chronological? Yeah, sure. All right. We'll come back and talk a little about a little bit of Asks me why I'm just a hairy guy. I'm hairy noon and night, hair that's a fright. I'm hairy high and low. Don't ask me why, don't know. It's not for lack of bread. Like the Grateful Dead 
darling. Give me a head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, steaming, flax and waxen. Give me down to there, hair, shoulder length or longer. Here, baby, there, mama, everywhere, daddy, daddy, hey. Okay, we're both hydrated, even though that means Christine won't get to sweat like George Eastman. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was really looking forward to on this end. I'll work on it. No, oh, please do. Foxfire, recommended to us from listener Eric. 1996, based on a novel by Joyce Carol Oates. I I have actually never read any Joyce Carol Oates, have you? Nor have I. Yeah, like she's one of those authors that everybody's read. I've never read any of her stuff. I don't know why. I don't know if I should. Anybody out there can tell me if I should or not. Tell me if I should or not, please. Directed by Annette Hayward Carter. Who? Christine. Did you look her up? No, I meant to, and I didn't remember until you just said that. Okay. I Looking think this right. was the only Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I did. Yeah. Did you notice anything? Um, Casper. Oh, I didn't notice Casper. Did she, was she like a... I don't know. She has um, miscellaneous crew credits for a shit ton of movies. Yeah, she seemed primarily... I think this was her only, the only film that she, the only like feature film she's directed... Mm-hmm. Most of her credits seem to be as a script supervisor. Uh, and it seems as though she had a very close working relationship with somebody that we have covered. A director whose movies I think we have covered than any other director on the show. Do you know who that is? Um, well, I see Nightmare on Elm Street 4 here. Uh-huh. What else <laughs> so, I, there? so I think that's a, that's a good tell. Um, that's the one that immediately jumped out at me. Uh-huh. Oh. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what else? What else? It's loading so slow for me. Well, a movie that had to have very, very careful script supervision. Of Mice and Men? Of oh, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Everybody knows of Mice and Men. You don't even need a script supervisor. I know. Well, I, that's why I thought the joke here were going. But I mean, Cliffhanger, you got to know how much fuel is in that helicopter, mm-hmm. right? All this stuff. You have to remember who's dead already, all that stuff. Uh, so, um, I wonder if he had any, like, background on this movie. I just really like that a woman who worked very heavily with Rennie Harlan for, like, some of those really, like, dude movies went on to direct mm-hmm. Foxfire. Now, would you like to tell the people who are listening to this what happens in this movie? <sighs> okay. You have to tell them. You can't just say Okay. Okay, I don't know where to start. This is it's funny because I feel like so much happens in this movie, but yet nothing no, happens does. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a group of girls, like four girls, mm-hmm. who who aren't really friends, all end up being friends together because this transient named Angelina Jolie blows <laughs> into town and and gets them to beat up this like this rapist teacher. He's more like a molest a molesty teacher. Okay, well he's a molesty. Yeah. Um, and they beat him up, and then they get expelled, and then they go hang out in this abandoned house. Yeah. I mean, and then other stuff happens, like tattoos and like tattoos. really sudden drug addiction. There's a lot of candles. Yes, a lot of but candles. But they even acknowledge they're like, "Where do all these candles come from?" There's another thing I meant to write it down that happened where they were kind of like. You could almost, it was almost like they were shrugging, like, I don't know why we're doing this. Oh, it was when they steal the car, it's like, oh, all right, I guess we're stealing the car. Maybe. There was a tone to this movie that was like, 
I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah, I guess we're friends now, by the way. Yeah, like, I'm not even friends with you. Let's talk about the girls. Okay. All right, so we've got um, Hetty Burris is the kind of lead. Her name is Maddie. Mm-hmm. And she's our narrator. And seems that she's like kind of the uh, the one, the, the normie, if you will. Yeah. And well, she's very She's very artsy, right. and she um, takes naked Polaroids of her boyfriend, who's yeah. the dad in Twilight. Can we talk about how the very first shot of this movie is Peter Fascinelli's ass? Yeah, I really thought he was going to play a more major role in this yeah, movie. remember how he's just not in the movie anymore after a certain yeah. point? Yeah, that's true. Um, I, this, uh, Annette Haywood Carter, this is one of her only features, and the screenwriter, whose name I didn't write down, again, I think only feature screenplay, and I don't know how much of it is that and how much of it is maybe like, ah, studio cut stuff and shuffle things around. But mm-hmm. there are so many um, setups that never come to be. Because mm-hmm. you've got Peter Fascinelli as uh, Maddie's boyfriend. And like at the beginning of the movie, they're like totally in love. And then she kind of starts falling into this crowd. And he's like, hey, I thought we we're going to hang out. She's like, yeah, maybe. And then we never see him again. Yeah, it is kind of strange. Um, there's also, uh, what's his name? Eldon Henson who is in everything. He was in Butterfly Effect. I you just made that ducks. name up. No, it sounds like I did, right? But you would know this guy. He's, the, he's kind of like blonde yeah, I, and a dude. Yeah, I know. He I know sort of looks like a taller Toby Jones. Oh, my God. Him and Toby Jones need to do a father-son comedy <clears throat> where they body swap. Yeah, I like him. Oh, my God. He's going to be in Mockingjay? Who's he in Mockingjay? Spoiler. I'm not telling you. I don't want to know this information. I'm not going to tell everybody else. And you can just tell me, fine. I don't want to know that. Oh, oh my god, I know who he is. Is he, because Toby Jones is also in Mockingjay, so maybe he plays his son, who is added. Is like Toby <laughs> it's Jones. an original, original character. Toby Jones is just like, Wait, isn't now. Toby Jones's character an original character? Yeah, because he's just one of, he's like a Caesar's assistant. He's, yeah, that's bullshit, like, you didn't need another guy. He's like the Ron Darling to Keith Hernandez, if you will, of the Hunger Games. <laughs> so... So, like, it's the same thing. Like, Eldon Henson, I'm saying his name like that, because it's <laughs> is sort of, like, set up as, like, the nice jock. Yes. Maybe is going to have a thing with Jenny Lewis. But then it's never again. Like, we just kind of have a scene where they flirt, and that's that. Mm-hmm. So there's so much, there's a lot of messiness in this movie. And I, I again, I think maybe, it's not that low budget. I think it's just... Uh, either studio or inexperience, I'm not sure. Well, and then, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose this question right now because we, as I said, it feels like nothing happens in this movie, but yet it feels like so much happens that I can't tell you what happens. Um, and and then while I was watching it and seeing all these things that weren't paying off, like, hey, where did that dude go? And hey, why did this? I thought to my, or hey, where did this girl come from? Um, I thought to myself. Maybe they're trying to do something like this really is like this really fast, kinetic slice of life that really only lasted like two weeks. I so, have no idea how much time passed. Me neither, but I had to assume it was how long that they were suspended, which ended up, I think, being three weeks. Uh. So maybe it was like some kind of um, commentary on when you're that young, how, how like these things time so is huge. so, yeah. And, like, I remember really liking the Smashing Pumpkins, and it feels like such a huge chunk of my life, but when you go back and look, it was like a year. Right, right. 
Um, and by the time the next album came out, I was, wasn't into them anymore. So it's, I, I kind of was like, are they trying to make a statement on that? Maybe I'm giving it too much credit. I don't know. It's an interesting point. And I would like, especially like Eric, who I assume has seen this, and I think Jeremy too, who yeah. has seen this probably more than once. Um, I'd be curious for people that it's very fresh in their mind and you've watched it more than once. Is that the case? Is it that it really is like a period of like two weeks and all this shit happens and these girls change that much? Or is it just like it takes course over a couple of months and the movie's just not edited that well where we see that? I really assumed it was weeks. I don't know. I have, I just thought because when, um, legs is sent somewhere and released from there it felt like they were trying, like that kind of mini montage felt like it was trying to show time is passing. Oh, look, she's calling Rita and Rita's mom isn't letting her answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Goldie is now doing drugs and getting involved in a bad group. Like We'll see. And if you look at it through the lens that I was looking at it through, Goldie, who has apparently an abusive home life. I didn't get that it was abusive yeah. until they kept telling me that. But she she is like addicted to heroin super fast so i fast. thought so like fast. she we saw her do it and then we saw them come and get her but she was wearing the same clothes like so ah. that was <laughs> i don't know it was really strange yes time is strange in this movie yeah so that's okay that's a question open question to people who've watched this what is the time frame of this movie as far as like how many weeks months does it actually take place in cuz we don't know yeah so with, through the characters, we got Maddie who, like we said, she's the every girl except it's 1996. So by every girl, she's got to wear flannel and be in rollerblades and take pictures mm-hmm. of Polaroid. Right. Very artsy kid. Um, we've got Rita, Jenny Lewis, making her second appearance on the show. Yep. Yes, folks. But, and with the size of her filmography, that's quite shocking. Indeed. Don't worry. <laughs> One of these days, we will watch um, Trip Beverly Hills. Don't worry. Oh, okay. You, Christine, I will not rest. Until we one day watched the Beverly Hills. Okay. Because it's so good. And it's cookie time. They're wilderness girls and it's cookie uh, time. I've never seen that movie. Lots of them would be so nice. Try so. Anyway. Uh, so Jenny Lewis is, I guess she's supposed to be the kind of like mousy girl. Yeah, they really play her up to be like really frumpy at the beginning. And then I'm like, that's Jenny Lewis isn't frumpy like that. And then all of a sudden, she, heavy sweatshirt yeah, she's wearing like a half shirt. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Jenny Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's her. There's Violet, who I, st- I think really must have been related to, to Catherine Isabel. She looked so much like her. Did you think that too when watching Absolutely. It? Were you like trying to check the year of this movie and try to figure out if that was actually her? Um... I knew it wasn't her, um, but every time I would catch her, I would be like, oh, oh, right, right, right. So Violet's kind of like, she's kind of like the slut. She was my favorite. I liked her a lot. Yeah. Spoiler. Because they didn't give her, like, she kind of is introduced as, um, like, the slut, but she's really, also really nice and just seems the chillest. She's, she's like the slut, but not like in a negative way. She's yeah. super sex positive and it's really great. It this movie is very sex positive. Except for one, well, we'll get there. Cause I think it is <laughs> except for one thing. Um, and then the other chick you got is Goldie, who is played by Jenny Shimuzo. Yeah. Who's apparently a model she's or a model. Was a did, model. Did you not watch ANTM where she guest starred on it? Mm-mm. She was a guest judge on ANTM. That's how I knew her. Um, she has the perfect look for this character, but she is clearly a model and not an actress. Yeah. I feel like she really is the weak link as far as all the girls, like, 
are sparky, have a little personality. Goldie is supposed to be kind of like the washout uh, drug user who I guess is adopted by very wealthy white parents. Which they never... Um, they never talk about it. It's never talk about, about it. Tomorrow that way. Yes, very much so. But like she should really be kind of a badass and I just don't think she has the like the acting confidence to, to be that. Mm -hmm. um, now the wild card, of course, that changes everything is Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is kind of right after Gia, right before... Um, what would have been the thing that... Right before Girl Interrupted, I guess. This is like right when like the kind of like probably the thing that might probably got her girl interrupted actually. It's after Hackers. So she's kind of being known. She's the biggest star in the movie, but she's still not Angelina Jolie. Uh, and she's Legs, uh, a drifter, because every town has them, who basically just comes into this high school, sees the biology teacher picking on Rita, um, and then is like, if you don't like things, change them. And then all the girls are like, yeah, I'll beat up this biology teacher. And we're going to change the world and ourselves. Foxes. Would you agree? That's kind of. Kind of. What did I do wrong? No, it was I, you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I think it's the movie that did something wrong. So what did you not buy something about it? Did you not? What, what, what didn't work for you in that respect? I ha again, I have to look at it through a very immature lens to buy a lot of what happens. Um, okay. Like, okay, so why do all of the... So basically, and I thought this was funny, they didn't pay any lip service to this either. Um, Maddie's like, but I have to put together my portfolio for RISD. And they never explain what RISD is. Like... Oh, see, I thought maybe I was just watching it as I was, like, checking something on Wikipedia. So I knew that, like, oh, yeah, she's applying to art school. Yeah, but, like, if you don't know what... I, I, Rhode Island School of Design is RISD. I'm from Rhode Island, so therefore I know what RISD is. I, I was watching this with an art student, so the art student knew who RISD was. But if you're just watching this, like, rant, you're like, what word did she just say? Yeah. I could but I was just so... so she, she's like, oh, but I, I got kicked out of school before I could get my portfolio stuff. So they, all of them, all five of them break into the school. Well, by this point, they've all... Because they essentially unite. You find out that Rita and Violet have both pretty much been um, sexually harassed by this teacher. So Violet's like, yeah, like supporting her. Um, Goldie's just like a kind of burnout who's like, oh, we're doing shit. I'll do shit. And Maddie, I don't think Maddie was like abused by the teacher, but she's just kind of like sort of making a stand. And so I feel like they do this thing together. They get suspended together. So then it's kind of this, like, we're to, like, if you have to do something, we're there for you, even though we're going to fuck it up and set off smoke a lot. Or those are like the, the, oh my God, the most sensitive sprinklers ever. Again, first of all, she throws a match in, in, a, in, a, in a, a, a thing of oily rags. Why did she do that? Well, Makes no sense. Smart. So now the school is on fire, or so they believe. Every sprinkler in the school goes off, Everything. which wouldn't which wouldn't have happened. Um, the police come, the the the, the fire engine come. I'm very they're very learned tonight. The fire engine. <laughs> um, the yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. And then they're all wet, and they run out of the school, and they're like, okay, I, I guess so. But then they run back to the abandoned house. And get tattoos. That's what you do. Didn't you see Star Starship Troopers? Like, After any moment of triumph or before uh, any yes. moment of terror, you get tattoos. Together. There were a few times I had to go like, okay, 
these girls are 16, 17, I guess. So I have to believe that this is what they would do. Well, it's a big moment for them, especially like I think for Rita, who's like has no friends. So this is a huge thing for Maddie, who you who. And I think the movie does kind of miss out on that. Like Maddie is your narrator, but Maddie is also the one that seems the least in need of this experience. Uh huh. But like, it's supposed to be this Maddie is like the good girl. Maddie is going to college. She has a boyfriend. She like, you know, doesn't talk back to the teachers, but yet she realizes when she meets legs that like, oh, she's, she's holding something in and she needs to fight the authority. But how much of how much does she? Because ultimately, she can't admit that she's attracted to legs. Yeah, that's a whole thing we haven't even touched on that's yet. A big thing. So legs comes in, and like legs, like she, Angelina Jolie, like she's wearing pants. Everybody at first, like there's a couple times where people think she's a dude just because she's got the short haircut. She's like, her hair looks phenomenal. In yo, this but she's gorgeous in this movie, and this is like you could see why she kind. This was kind of. I don't know if that you'd call this a star-making role, but it's such the perfect Angelina Jolie role because it's, this is, um, like, I remember reading interviews with her right around the time Girl Interrupted came out. She was, like, on every magazine cover. And, like, this was her. This was, she plays with knives. She has tattoos. She's, like, you know, she's bisexual. Like, all these things that were Angel, Angel, Angelina Jolie were very much, like, legs. And in real life, like, her and Jenny Shimizo apparently had, like, a very long love affair during and after this movie. Oh, fun. Would have been nice if, like, that chemistry was there on screen. But with her and Maddie, like, there's bonding scenes, but there isn't... And there's a very important scene early on where, like, um, Legs almost drops... uh, Maddie's portfolio in the water, but then kind of risks her life to save it. So Maddie has a respect to her from that. Mm-hmm. And after that, like Maddie keeps kind of helping legs, even in times where it's at like a, you know, risk to her. But so there's supposed to be this, that there's, there's attraction. Maddie is in love with her. Like it's there, except the movie, like, and granted it's 96, I guess, but the movie isn't brave enough to really deal with that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not until the very last scene where, she, where like, you get this moment of, I love you. But it's not strong enough anyway for the ending. But yeah, and I, I, and I don't know if the book... I know there have been other film adaptations of this. There was a recent French film adaptation that's supposedly closer to the novel. I don't know if the, um, like the lesbianism was in the novel or not. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels right in this movie. Like, there's... it's Like you're saying, it's a very, like, sexually fluid movie. It feels like you have some characters who are just coming to terms with their sexuality. You have um, a character like Maddie, who's clearly not a virgin, who's, like, very much in love with her boyfriend, but is now suddenly confronted with this totally different kind of attraction for legs. But the movie stays back, ultimately. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Um, it, it it also takes a turn, um, like, I thought this was going to be like a, 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 God, to say current isn't accurate, but like a, a modern, you know, female, um, stand by me. Okay. But like, without the dead body. The dead body is, is molestation by a teacher. <laughs> like, that is the, the, the thing that yeah. pushes the story along. But then it, it, it 
isn't that? Suddenly there's gunplay and kidnapping and people are making really crazy decisions that take it out of a real world setting for me. Yeah. Um, And essentially it's the last act that I agree. It's so like it's, it could have been developed, although I still don't think it was the right choice as an ending. But because it's that character also, because I mean, it, it involves Goldie, and because she really is the weakest character and the weakest actor, I think, in there, <laughs> it just, it falls really flat. And then the way it escalates so crazily just really falls flat. And then you get kind of like a coda of narration that's very like, yeah, that was that. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't that big a moment in your life, I guess, in the end. It really felt like there's a disconnect. And like I said, it, to have clarification on the timeline, I think really would have helped that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but kind of like, you know how Stand By Me ends with the narr- or it's mm-hmm. has the narration, it ends, and it's like, this one did this, and this one did that. Oh, like, I always get sad because it's about uh, how Chris Chambers got stabbed in a McDonald's. Jeez. Um, I love that movie. Hey, um, high five! <laughs> Um, this has been an interesting pairing with that, but this, this falls flat in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways that a movie like that managed to excel. And like, like you said, at the end kind of was a bit of a, oh, okay, I guess it's, I guess it's over. Yeah. It's very abrupt. You're left wondering a lot. Yeah. You have. And I almost wonder, like, maybe you needed one less of the girls. Like maybe you just needed one less character. It's possible. Yeah. Although, I mean, I like I liked Violet. I liked Rita. Um, but I didn't like, really, I just didn't like Goldie. Yeah. And she seemed to be, she was a very important character. Yeah. It's a shame. Because I think, like, there's a lot of really strong elements there. And I enjoyed watching this movie. Just also because it's fucking 1996. I was 14 in 1996. Yeah. Like... They're on rollerblades, and they're dialing up the internet and explaining what the internet is. Um, so there's a lot that I do connect to with this movie, just because it's, um, it's like, I remember that's what my, we didn't dissect live frogs in biology. Oh, that, um, that part was, if you do not like frog violence, yeah. do not watch it. I am, I love frogs a lot, and I had to look away. Yeah. And it's very, very upset. It's one of those movies that's, um, I don't think it's, necessarily dated in some of its attitudes towards sex towards like sexual harassment I guess Mm -hmm. because you do have a like the girls that he that get in trouble for attacking him Mm -hmm. that claim he's abusing him are like you could kind of do something with the whole oh well um, and there's like the cheerleader girl who's kind of set up as like one of the kind of villains of the movie who kind of says to them when they say that he's been um, like they're in the bathroom and the girls are saying how like you know he touches them and everything and she kind of like says the typical like to Violet she's like oh well everybody touches you you're a slut and uh-huh. Rita like oh come on nobody would touch you because you're like you're ugly kind of thing so that and then when you have the football team who basically like go and kind of terrorize the girls because they're like hey you ratted out our coach and nobody does that it's a lot of these attitudes that I think still do hold up today as far as like that kind of shit still happens and goes mm-hmm. um it's it's not really dealt with though in the like 
because that's that's a big thing. The fact that these girls become friends because they stand up to a man, like a man in a position of authority who's been abusing them, is like a really powerful thing. Um, but I feel like the movie loses that pretty quickly. Yeah. And then I have there's a montage of happy, and then there's a montage of unhappiness. It gets very kind of simple in ways like that, but it it wants to. It kind of acts like it's a really deep movie, but it doesn't actually go as deep in any place that, like, I wanted to. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, and the we do get a Jenny Lewis rock moment. Yeah. Where she sings in the grocery store. She's so cute. I She's love adorable. her. Adorable. She really is. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked her. I liked the girl who played Maddie. Um, I wasn't. I feel like that's the character that needed to be written deeper. Uh, and I wonder, was there a missing scene where her and Legs do actually say they're in love? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's hard to pin down, but there really is something that kept me from, like, actually enjoying this. Mm. I kept getting taken out of it. Things kept happening where I was like, what? What? Ah. What? Like them stealing the car? Yeah, I didn't under I didn't necessarily understand that completely. Well, I understood what they were doing, but again, it was one of those that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that in this movie. And again, if you want to be like, hey, it's Which, teenage people and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I guess on one hand, it's. So there's the car theft comes when a bunch of dudes are about to are trying to get Maddie in the car to go rape her somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Legs comes yeah, in yeah, and, yeah. and saves her life. Or it saves her, you know, rape life, I guess. Um, where she does, like, hold a knife to the dude's throat. It's like, no, like, you're not doing this. So you could see why then every, like, you know, Ma- uh, Maddie is then going to defend Legs and everything. But it's also, like, a really stupid thing to steal a car and then speed and get into a car accident. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, with the Legs character, um, she gets some backstory of, you know, her mom's dead, her dad uh, left her. We felt like during a very intense scene, she kind of lets out a lot more about how her dad really left her and stuff. But it's... Like, they kind of set legs up as, oh, we don't need to know anything about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just look at her. And it's true. Angelina Jolie does have the presence for this role. She's gorgeous. She walks with the right attitude. Um, I fully believe her as legs. And I could see why any woman with a, like, who's, like, maybe in the middle of the Kinsey scale and hasn't realized it yet like how Angelina Jolie would be the woman in that role that makes them realize maybe I'm a little gay. Yeah. Uh, But when the movie ends on a note that says, oh, there was supposed to be this deep connection between Maddie and Legs, and they kind of save that for the final scene, it's just frustrating. I agree. And I I guess we didn't have... 90s was kind of right when you either had, like, a lot of really, like, out there, not out there, like uh, out cinema, I guess, uh-huh. kind of thing, where you had kind of an explosion of independent cinema that was gay and proud. This movie isn't made to be that because it's clearly mainstream-ish. Like it comes, I think it, it was around the same time as The Craft. 
which also would have been a good movie to pair it with. Yeah, that movie is probably, again, if I had seen this when, like, I saw The Craft when it came out, right. if I had seen this when I saw The Craft when it came out, I probably would like it a lot more. But, like, like if I had watched The Craft for the first time today, I probably wouldn't like it that much. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a very, very much of that generation, but, like, yeah. when I was 14 or 15, I totally identified with all the girls in The Craft. And that it's it's a good pairing with that where it's that same we're outsiders who become friends by because we're outsiders type thing but i mean that movie's just more fun because it's also kind of you know kind of goofier and such Mm -hmm. but with this one like it's frustrating because there's a lot of really strong elements in there but the movie ultimately i think just thinks it's it's told a more um a i think it kind of thinks that it's given us a deeper story than it ever had the energy to do while we're watching it. Yeah. Like just what we're saying with like Goldie's family and with the Maddie legs relationship, it's hard at the end of the movie to then say like, Oh, so those two things were really deep and important. You're like, yeah, but they kind of came out of nowhere in a way. So overall, Mm -hmm. did you enjoy it? I enjoyed watching it, but a lot a lot of that is just, it's a movie made in 1990, it's a girl power movie made in 1996. Yeah. It feels like a 90s movie, which I enjoy because that's kind of my era of when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. Um, and I liked most of the performances. I uh-huh. Liked, I liked the look of the movie, although the DVD looks like shit. Um, I watched it in a way that wasn't a DVD. Oh, well, did it look better than I thought it looked I thought it looked pretty good see I don't know it's something about those 90s movies man 90s movies that have been put on DVD like early and this one you could tell because the special feature I put it on Twitter was it like an interactive menu no well they had had one of those (laughs) oh good for that feature was a talent file on Angelina Jolie and it was like birth name Angelina Jolie Voigt birthday or like uh, you know horoscope Scorpio, father John Voight. <laughs> oh wow! It um, so it's a very the DVD just looks very dark. It's very like you say muddy. Like it was like the kind of movie. I'm like God, everything's blurry, and I'm wearing my glasses. I swear. So that was kind of. I didn't know. I mean, sometimes I'm oblivious to that, but I didn't notice it when I was watching it. I mean, I have a big TV, so it's the kind of thing. Because do you watch it on your computer? I assume. No, I, I watched it on a big TV. Okay. Um, I, I really, but like I've said before, sometimes I don't pick up on these things. It could have looked like shit and I might not have realized it. Gotcha. It looked, but quickly it was filmed in Portland. looked okay. beautiful. Exactly. The setting was beautiful. Yep. yep. So it had that going for it. It was yeah. an attractive movie in that regard. I agree. I agree. And I mean, the girls are all cute. Yeah. They're very cute. Angelina Jolie looks gorgeous. She does. I mean, like, she does. Like, you walk out, you're like, God, like, the lips, the eyes. Like, she is just beautiful in this movie. Uh, it's it's an interesting little time capsule. It is. And if you go through the pictures on IMDb, there's, um, I guess it's box art that um, leads with the 1996 theatrical surprise hit. <laughs> well, that's a thing. Aww. Good for a surprise! Foxfire! Yeah, surprise hit. 
That's cute. That's very cute. Uh, yeah, I don't remember this being a hit. I remember. I don't it remember out. it coming out. I remember I... it came out just because I like was a film nerd, so I like wanted to know about every movie, and because it was that kind of like oh girl movie, I was curious about it, but I didn't watch it until like a year or two later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, that was you know, a long time ago when I was a younger woman. <laughs> when I didn't pick up on the lesbian angle, maybe I don't know. Oh really? I just I no, I always remember it being like oh yeah, I think I think there's like a love story between the girls. But it didn't make me as angry then that they didn't commit to it the way it did yeah. this time around. Yeah. All right. So do you have any more or should we rate it? Um, I don't think so. I, like I said, there's a lot of things for me that I know it's a hard ex- thing to explain when you say nothing, not too much happens in this movie, but there's too much happens for me to explain. I just really feel like too many threads got cast out there and not enough got tied up. And I think the one that they end up going with as, like, the big finale thread is by far the weakest. Exactly. And I think that that is my main mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. I hear you. So if you had to give this movie a quality grade on a scale from 1 to 10, where are you going? It's <sighs> tough. I am going to give it a 6.5. Ah, okay. I was going to go 6. I'm giving it a 6.5 because... As much as I don't really like that really overlong um, candlelit tattoo montage thing, mm-hmm. um, when she I, it was too long, um, I thought it was it. I thought it was really well um, shot. It looked yeah. really nice. It's a so, really pretty movie. So I'll I will give it a point five for that. Okay. Uh, quality of enjoyment of the movie. Um, Six point five. Probably. Yeah, I enjoyed this one much more than I would say it's a good movie. Um, Again, picking out a lot of holes and issues I had with it, but watching it, like I, st- I enjoyed watching it. So yeah, I'm gonna go six point seven five for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. So those those were our our words and thoughts and feelings and emotions and observations. On all of those things. All those things rolled up into one foxfire. They were, indeed. So what we're gonna do now? Take a quick little break. We're gonna come back. We're going to talk about passion. (coughs) From the shadow she calls And in the shadow she Fuck it, Christine. Let's put it on YouTube. Oh, God. Yeah. I have about five <laughs> notes that I wrote down in this movie. Um, and pretty much they, they, they boil down to 
ass cam. Yep. Blonde slash brunette slash redhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, corporate power bitch equals kinky sex who waits at home for lover in red velvet rope, red velvet robe and garters, as you do. I got the note sexy saxophone and the note Netflix predicted I would give this movie 2.5 out of 5 stars, which is <gasps> weird because Netflix thinks I love everything. Wow, they thought you'd be real lukewarm on this, though. not have confidence in me liking Brian De Palma's 2012's Passion. Now, you picked this movie. I did. You did. Uh, What made you pick this one? Well, I had seen it, Mm -hmm. and then I immediately wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I had nobody to talk about it with. Aww. Um, what if we start talking about it and then I take credit for all the great things you're going to say about it? I will just understand that that's what has to happen. But then are you going to say that and then eventually, um, take all the great things I've said from me? I don't know. I don't know what happens in this movie. What the fuck does happen in this movie? So let's try to synopsize. Okay. Well... I'm going to say that the first time I saw this movie, I was a little bit confused by it. Okay, fair And enough. I thought that maybe watching it again, I'd be less confused by it. Uh-huh. Get, guess what? Not the case. Not so much. Well, this is a remake of a French film called Love Crime, which I'm sure sounds something like Amour Crime in French or something like that. I should watch that movie to see if I can understand this movie. Um, I My understanding is the... Plot's fairly similar, but this one's very De Palma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, there are so many De Palma-isms here. Um, you've got twins, maybe. <sighs> a lot of people watching other people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you've got some women playing games. You've got a lot of people playing games. You've got mm-hmm. sexiness, but not all-out sex. Mm-hmm. And an interview I read with De Palma kind of talked about that, where they said, like, you know, in some ways this is a very tame movie. Like, there's a lot of sexy, like, it's a, there's a lot of sexiness to it. The movie's called Passion. But there's little to no nudity. Um, and De Palma was saying, he's like, well, you know, people have Cinemax now and porn, and I can't compete with that because anything I make has got to get a rating. It's so a really good point. So, yeah. Uh, so this movie, I'll, get, I'll try to give maybe a synopsis of it. Yeah, I was going to start off by saying, like, all right, so these two broads work at this place, but I still don't understand where they worked. Okay, they work at an advertising agency. In That's the- where they work? Yeah. At an advertising agency? I think. That's not clear. I think. It's like either an advertising agency or they work. They, I mean, they're basically doing an ad campaign. So mm-hmm. it could be that they work for a cell phone company and they're in the marketing for it. Um, it wasn't entirely clear because the movie's very coy and I think the movie could have even like not told you what they were actually like what the ad was like they could have just been like it was a brilliant ad and like you didn't have to see the ad because you see the ad you're like it's not that good no it's not it's not but I think the story is you've got Rachel McAdams plays Christine who is a an American in Berlin um, and she's some kind of like marketing director creative director type person and Numi Rapace, Rapace, uh, plays Isabel. Isabel? Yes. Isabel, of course. Uh, who is her underling, who is also like um, a copywriter or art director or something, but is working under Christine. 
They were supposed to come up with some ad campaign for a cell phone. Uh, in the middle of the night, Isabella Isabel thinks of one, calls her assistant, uh, whose name I don't remember, but who has very red hair. So red, red hair. We're just going to call her Red. So Isabel calls Red, and they make this campaign, and Christine takes credit for it from the boss, and it's like, oh, no, we're girlfriends. It's fine. I'm not stabbing in the back. But then Isabel decides to stab Christine in the back, so she starts sleeping with her boyfriend, um, and then is kind of able to finagle some credit away from Christine for something. Uh, but then Christine once again turns the tables on Isabel and humiliates her. And then, um, spoiler, but I think you know this going in. There's a murder. Maybe I won't spoil who the murder's of. No, I think we have to spoil everything to actually talk about this. Okay, so we are going to spoil this movie. Uh, if, Christine, before we go into that, would you recommend it to people who have never seen it before we tell them that? Yeah. Especially if you like De Palma. It's a Pino Donaggio score, and there's some really phenomenal um, setups and yep. some really gorgeous shots. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's a very good Really look. lush, good uses of color. Um, but expect to be slightly disappointed. Okay, so that was hers. I would also recommend it because, yeah, it's De Palma. It's, it's not a boring watch. It's, I don't know what kind of watch it is. but So now, having said that, we're going to spoil plot elements and such so we can talk about them. Um, so, Christine is murdered. Oh no, I am? Oh shit, you are! No, because you're not a blonde. That's true. Yeah, you don't wear red lipstick. Well, no I don't. Okay, because if you do, then I will have to get bangs and wear baggy, <laughs> unflattering, like, power suits and... A dye my cat's hair red so she's my assistant I guess I don't yep. I think this all sounds wonderful it does. we should remake this we should remake Brian De Palma's remake <laughs> that was love crime this was passion what would we name ours oh geez I don't know I can't come up with anything punny enough how about mild affection yes okay <laughs> coming soon folks you watch out for it we're gonna do a kickstarter to, to, to get the funds so we've got, um, so Christine's murdered. We don't know who. Um, could it have been Isabel? Isabel seems to think it was her. The police seem to think it was her. Uh, or maybe it was Le Boyfriend, Dirk. Whose name is Dirk? His name is Dirk. Which kind of means that he's, he's a douche, but not a killer, because the name Dirk kind of, I don't know. Like, I can't picture, like, the murder trial of, like, Dirk Smith. It's just, yeah, Dirk. Um... So yeah, then we kind of get into a, uh, it's, it, the whole movie is very much power struggle and it's ups and downs. So you start the movie, it starts on this very even playing field where it seems like Isabel and Christine are like really good friends and they happen to work together and they work together really well, right? Uh-huh. And then it very quickly turns into, you see like uh, Isabel, oh not Isabel, Christine, Rachel McAdams is essentially like um, a mean girl gone corporate. Yeah. All right. Uh, but then you see, like, okay, Isabel's smart enough to figure out how to play a game, but maybe Isabel's batshit crazy. Yes, maybe she is. Or maybe she's pretending to be batshit crazy so that she can play her game and just kill Christine. Well, I never thought that until the movie told me that that's what happened. Um, I'm trying to think what I thought. I thought it was a dream at one point. 
I thought it was a dr- I still think it might have been a dream. It might have been at the fifth at the fifty minute mark. Um, it go, it goes real to Palma. It gets. Is that when it goes split screen? No, 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 no. This is before the split screen. This is when the camera starts to tilt. Um, at fifty minutes, the the camera starts to tilt. She starts taking the sleeping pills, oh, and she right. wakes up, and then she falls back. So she wakes up. And she falls back asleep, and then it kind of pans over into another scene. And I, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a fucking dream sequence. This isn't happening. But the dream sequence never ends. And then things start to happen, and I'm like, okay, so I guess this is really happening. But there's a, there's a sense of, of a, there's a lack of reality in this movie, though. Oh, there's so many lacks of reality. So I don't know what's really happening at any point. It, it's really strange. <laughs> oh, it is. What I'm trying to figure out, the way we tried to figure out with Foxfire was, was it intended to, to kind of signify this, the way time moves when you're a teenager? Or was it just bad editing? With this movie, what I'm trying to figure out is like, is Brian De Palma trying to make all these comments on perception and power? Um, or is he just having a good time by having beautiful women um, dressed very symbolically and styled very symbolically um, doing some crazy ass shit. That's I think, the question. I think that this movie is deliberate in what it's trying to do. What is it trying to do? I think it's trying to um, be a film about duality. Okay. Um, but it's it's really confusing. It's like, I feel like th- this to me is De Palma's most, most giallo film. Yeah, I can see that. And in that way, I don't fucking understand it. Yeah. It's, okay, if you, if you, if you go forward with what happened and you tell somebody what happened, there's a pretty straightforward narrative in this. Spoilers. These two, the the boss, Nomi Rapace and, and Rachel McAdams don't don't have a really good relationship. Um, Rachel McAdams gets killed. She's presented to us as as sexually adventurous and kind of an underhanded bitch. Mm-hmm. And people kind of have a, a reason to kill her. There are many people with motives to kill her. Then Nomi Rapace. It, she confesses, but then she she finally comes out of her drug-addled haze. This is another movie I have a problem with time. I don't know when any of this happened. Oh, God, yeah. Um, she comes out of her drug-addled haze, and she, she she's, oh, I didn't really mean to, to, to confess to that. So she has to go through the work of, of proving her own innocence, which she actually does. There's no evidence. I actually have that scarf. You were wrong. Look, it's, it, Dirk has the motive. I never had a motive. See? And then there's a huge reveal that Nomi Rapace actually killed her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and her assistant, who was in love with her, knew all along. That's, a, that's the movie that happened. But there's so much other stuff happening that that movie gets snowed in. Um, because, <laughs> like, for instance, how long does this take place? Nomi Rapace goes to prison. She gets out of prison. Then she goes to Rachel McAdams' funeral. Uh, 
wait, wait, that happens after? That happens before? Yeah, that happens way after. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is crazy. So I don't necessarily understand that. There's also a comment about the, the her arresting officer, inspector, that uh, he, he came and apologized and he brought me flowers. He's so ridiculous. And then he comes and apologizes and brings her flowers. Right, in the very final scene at a so key is this, when... Is this movie told out of sequence then? Because well, why'd she tell me that that happened? And then at the funeral, or which happened really persistent, and like he always comes with plays. Like every night at like three a.m., he brings, he knocks. Which that's another thing. Like clearly she's in bed and he's there with flowers. At the so time. what time was it? Yeah. Um, and she does such a good job putting her innocence that when the reveal comes from her assistant Dan that she's actually guilty, I had a hard time believing it. Like, but wait, we already know she didn't for all these very astute reasons. Um, there's also a sense of not as bad as like Romero did with the Diary of the Dead, but of somebody not necessarily like really, really grabbing for technology. Like, <laughs> the, the, like the cell phone is, oh, the yeah. cell phones are so pervasive in this, but they're like 2012 and they're still using flip phones. Exactly. But they're using them in a really antiquated way. Yeah. Um, which is, which is strange. Um, right. But like, all I have to do is, all I have to do is hit this button and it will send. Like I download all this video into this burner phone. Is that a thing? Does that work? Can't you just be like, it's in a cloud somewhere and you'll never know where, but trust me. Yeah. So it's, it was like, it's old technology in a movie where someone's clearly trying to use technology to, to seem cutting edge. And they're supposed to be either in Berlin and they're like corporate yeah. executives. They would be pretty good at technology. Yeah. Um, there's a few other things I, I'm, I'm grasping for them now, but um, th- there's a split screen in it. The split screen is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the split screen is of Nomi Rapace watching the ballet, but then you find out it was actually Nomi Rapace killing Rachel McAdams. See, I honestly... Like, that up-close face of her was never her at the ballet. Yeah, so that's something I'd, I'd almost want to rewatch it for. Although I have to say, I think I knew... I, I kind of still suspected her. Yeah, I, I think... Mean, I was confused as to whether it really happened. That's another thing. It's never clear whether it... I, do, I don't feel like it's ever clear whether it really happens because you have the, the, the cop coming to her house in the middle of the night after she was effectively blackmailed into sex yep. with her assistant, which is We've some bizarre. There. I mean, what? So then at the, at the funeral, which for some reason was held months after this woman died, either way, weird, her twin sister, who she might not have had, but if she did have, was apparently dead, but it's not her twin sister because she's wearing the shoes that they saw at the shoe fashion show they went to, is at the funeral. That's weird. And then she comes to her apartment. What is even going on? It is such a giallo, this movie. I could see that. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but I could totally see it. It's very European. Yes. Just, I mean, obviously it's filmed in Europe. Uh, yes. It's set in Europe. But there is this, the sensibility of it. I mean, every character has a different accent. Um, the, the, the fact that, like, a character goes to the ballet. Um, the, uh, like, yes, that kind of the sexuality and the, the, the styling. Like, it just, it feels like such a European movie, mm-hmm. which keeps it interesting. It's a mess, but it's, like you said, it's so pretty to look at. It's so batshit. Does 
Christine have a twin sister? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm very confused by that. Uh, I kind of don't mind not really knowing. Um, the movie ends, and it's definitely a movie that ends, and you're like, what, really? Is there is there a post-credit sequence? No, what? Oh, oh okay. Um, and I, I don't think it really... I don't know, maybe it does make some grand statements about being watched and, like, corporate... I mean, the corporateness of it is very much, you know, in the corporate world, um, everybody's out for themselves, and you don't trust anybody, and um, maybe the only person you can trust is in love with you and is going to blackmail you into, into sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Redheads maybe are more trustworthy than brunettes or blondes. I don't know. She seemed kind of awful. Well, she was really useful until um, she, you know, decided to blackmail Numi Rapace into uh, servitude of the sexual sort. Really, there's some interesting themes in this. Yeah, and you have like <laughs> Rachel, like, and it's it's a hard film to talk about the performances in too because it's very much the movie you gather that it's nobody probably really understands what they're playing mm-hmm. um, like Rachel McAdams I like in this because it seems like she's just kind of relishing being this very like icy blonde bitch mm-hmm. um, but yet she also then is stuck doing things like waiting for her kinky sex partner to come over and walking around her apartment in high heels and garters in that very, like, this is what a man thinks that a corporate, attractive corporate woman does when she's home alone type thing. Yeah. Um, and it's fine because it's visually great looking. Um, it makes it fun in a ridiculous way. But yet, it's as an actress, I imagine it's got to be kind of hard to play that part of somebody that really only exists as a type. I can see that. That's a good point. Yeah. I I kind of liked the way that Rachel McAdams played that character. Me too. Um I didn't really lo- I didn't really understand Naomi Rapace at some points. I didn't understand her quite a bit. I don't know if I was supposed to be able to or not. Like it was hard to know is she really out of it now? Is she really upset now? Um is like what's going on in her head uh, there was a lot that could have been going on in her head at any given moment and I had yeah. no idea what it was and I don't know if that that might have been intentional okay well then if you look at it that way then sure it's a hard performance to like no and because everybody kind of has a different accent it also makes for like the dialogue between characters always feels really strange It's an interesting movie. I'm thinking about that last scene with Danny and um, Isabel there where, where she reveals she knew everything. Yeah. But le- leading up to that, Danny professes her love. And it's a very uncomfortable scene because of the way that Rapace plays it. Like, oh, you're kidding. Like, is, is she crazy? Well, it's is, am, I supposed, am I supposed to just believe that she's crazy the whole time? It's kind of, I think, in a way, what she would have... 
I feel like that's her doing what Christine would have done. Okay. Because okay, all right, all right. You know, like Christine, as much as Christine kind of is constantly like asking Isabel for um, uh, like validation, she's like, you know, I want to be loved. Uh, uh, I love you. You know, I want to be respected. I respect you. Like she's Christine is constantly looking for like approval from. Oh, Chaplin's coughing. That's what that noise is. Yeah, it's her little doing. Oh, poor life. thing. Oh, it's very cute. Hope she's okay. She's been doing that a lot. I should probably take her to a vet. But then it will disrupt the cat dynamic. And she'll get oh, no. freaked out going to the vet. That, like, I don't, I feel like that's sometimes worse for her than just coughing it out adorably. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. She's so good. Okay. You've seen Joplin. She's adorable. She's adorable. Um, so that, yeah, Christine's constantly kind of like needs um, Isabel to like see her a certain way. Um, and I mean, even the way Christine like dresses and presents herself, she's clearly very concerned with her perception and the way <clears throat> people see her. So at the same, like, I think if Isabel at any point actually said to Christine in all honesty, like, I'm in love with you, I think Christine would have laughed at her. Yeah. And I feel like that is what Isabel does in that moment. Isabel's like, has now kind of gotten one step up in the agency so now when a character who is underneath her is giving her that validation, she doesn't have to accept it because she doesn't need it anymore. She's mm-hmm. one step up. Now she gets to be in the Christine role of saying like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Like, if you had a good idea, I would steal it from you too type thing. So I think that's what that's about. Um, I still... Like, I feel like I know what Isabel, who Isabel was, other than whatever the fuck happens in the end. Like, I feel like, no, she was, um, you know, a smart woman in a, in this career who very, like, she senses that Christine is betraying her before I think she actually does. That's why I think she's sleeping with Dirk well before then. Yeah. Like, Isabel is smart enough to know she can't trust Christine. And I don't think she ever really does trust her. But even so, when Christine turns on her, it's enough for Isabel to be like, all right, I'm declaring war on you. And I feel like Isabel is in control the whole time. And all mm-hmm. of the crazy, you know, I'm going crazy, that is all performance. Um, I don't know. The question, I guess, is should I have known that watching the movie? And I don't know. Like, should mm-hmm. it have been a surprise to me that Isabel is actually the killer, if she actually was? Um, that I don't know. I don't know what the huh. intention was there. I that's a good said, that's a good point unclear intention like yeah. b- what what am i what am i supposed to walk away from this movie knowing or being aware of my i'm not really sure standing based on like interviews he's given was that love crime the original film it's much clearer from the beginning that the isabel character uh has killed or will kill christine mm-hmm. um and that De Palma doesn't deliberately didn't do that he wanted it to be like a reveal um Maybe I'm just smart, and I gathered that before. Or maybe I was watching this movie, because really the last De Palma I've seen since this was Body Double, where you're watching it and you're constantly looking and trying to figure out what you're not, what you're, what's, um, uh, what you're not seeing, or what mm-hmm. is like hiding in plain sight, really. Because with like Body Double, it's all there on screen. You just have to pay really close attention and put some clues together. And so watching this, I think I was watching this the same way where I was kind of, like, really trying to pay attention to the scar, like, 
scarf from the very first scene. And this is another thing because, like we said, the film is um, very like Spartan and mod in its decoration. Yeah. Like every, there's no super superfluous decorations in this movie. So you have like every costume choice feels deliberate. And the fact that the scarf from the very first scene becomes kind of a symbol. Like the whole movie, I'm kind of like, I'm, I was always paying attention to that scarf. And the scarf ends up being a kind of a key element in, uh, in the murder, or in the framing of the murder. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if maybe like, I don't know, I feel like if you're a trained Apama watcher, you might kind of watch this like playfully. Just kind of how I felt. Like I had fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't know what happened, but I think I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, this time I really just wanted a little bit more. See that, and I didn't get it because it's. I think it's an entertaining movie, and it's fun. And it's gorgeous, like we were saying. Yeah. Um, I feel like it has the potential to like make some statements and kind of like probe some things, but I don't know that it really does. Mm-hmm. Like it has like fun. I think with like the twin thing, and I don't know if that was in the original. I'm very curious actually, but it feels like it was just like De Palma's like, fuck it, I'll throw in twins. Yeah, it, it was just. It was just strange. I, I wanted to. I wanted an answer. I wanted to know. Like, I'm assuming that she, or maybe that that that, that um, what's it called? That funeral. Maybe it didn't even happen. Right. Or maybe at that point, no, she's not supposed to be crazy anymore. Because it's like, oh, maybe it's supposed to be Numi Rapace is crazy and she sees a twin. But no, because Danny even says to Danny her... Danny sees... So maybe like, they oh, were never... does have a sister. May, but maybe that funeral didn't even exist. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're supposed to say, like, wait, didn't some time elapse? How could they be at the funeral? Yeah. I don't know. But then... And I don't know. I don't know. If I think about it too much, my head hurts. It's, I wonder if there's a... Is there a commentary on the DVD? Do you know by any chance? I have no idea. I've both... T- um, the first time I watched this, I got the disc from Netflix. I returned right away. Okay. I didn't go through it. And then that, this time I watched it streaming. Because it's not... I don't know. Because like, this movie was not received very well. Um, now, did you see Femme Fatale? No, I still haven't. I'm curious. Because what I found when I was kind of like Googling around and kind of like researching this... It seems like that mo- like this movie is probably like kind of the most um, natural follow-up to that, based on what people have said. And I haven't seen that movie either. Mm-hmm. But um, a couple of the reviews that I read, because I remember when Femme Fatale came out and it was panned and people hated it. But the critics, the couple of positive reviews of Passion, um, like every review, the critic was also saying basically like, it's a, you know... It, it has the same basically we're saying they liked Femme Fatale and they liked Passion mm-hmm. like that those two I, I have a feeling if you liked one you'd like the other that huh. must be kind of going for the same thing so I'm curious now to watch that and see if like I put the two is, together if it fits any better Femme Fatale was streaming for a while I don't know if it still is uh, no, I'm curious I might it's like it, it's a very it's a, it's a very um shallow movie in so many ways mm-hmm. I think like you'd, you'd have a hard time really sitting me down and telling me that like this movie was making a statement about so and so and so and so yeah I just think it's 
him having like it's it's like De Palma took all the tools of or like all the elements that he would play with in his sandbox of like mm-hmm. twins, beautiful women, women with very strong hair color, um, surveillance, like all these yep. things, and then kind of like just sort of was like all right, and I have a base of a story, I have love crime, I'm gonna take that plot, and I'm just gonna throw in a dream sequence here, a split screen right here. I think that's what it is. I don't think it's more than that. Yeah. But I I would like to hear arguments that point otherwise. Yeah, I meant uh, this day, as, as you mentioned, I had an ice pack on my knee. This day took a turn, and I had to go to the chiropractor. Um, but I meant to read up on this. Yeah. I, I had a bunch of things bookmarked, and I never got a chance to read them. So I would like to see what other people are saying. Oh, yeah, I feel like I actually wrote something down and emailed myself something. What did I email myself? Hang on now. We go to drafts. We go to, let's see. Okay, two, oh yeah, two, two things of note that I had written down. Um, this, is a, this is a quote from a review, and I didn't cite who reviewed it, but I just thought it was an interesting sum up. Um, and I quote, mysterious movie critic, you watch Passion again, then Love Crime. Passion is pretty good. If you cared enough to make a list, it might be your fifth or sixth favorite to Palma. You could even argue it's about something. The surveillance state, or sex on film, or some style section piece De Palma may have read about how women sometimes don't support each other in the workplace. <laughs> I think it was from the Village Voice, actually, now that I think about it. Um, I kind of like that idea. I don't think it's that, because I just think it's the work aspect is ultimately such... It's set up as this big thing of like, oh, these are working women, and like that's where the kind of enemy lines are drawn Mm -hmm. but it seems like it's so much more than that or so much else because that doesn't really explain like the weird sexiness or not sexiness yeah I I like your read of it though like it's kind of just like here's everything yeah I don't (laughs) think it's more than that um now curious did um we well we said mild affection would be our remake um, why do you think he did call it passion? I don't know. Because there's so little passion. Is it ironic? Oh, like, where wish, does passion come from? Rachel McAdams' character is essentially, like, cold. She does not seem, you know, we... Oh, we forgot about the mask sex. Because mask sex, people. There is, and I didn't understand it. Like, it's like, kind of, um, tourist trap meets eyes wide shutty. Yeah. Uh, mask sex. We get that, but it's very clear that, like, Rachel McAdams is sexually adventurous but doesn't seem to enjoy anything. Um, Numi Rapache has sex with Rachel McAdams' boyfriend, but it doesn't seem like there's any passion there. Like, it's... She seems to be doing it more just because it is Christine's boyfriend. Yeah, and then she gets super-duper upset. What does she get upset about? Does she get upset that that Christine has the video or that Christine makes Dirk dump her? I don't know. It felt to me like it was just that suddenly Christine had power over her. Uh, Okay, that's if that makes more sense. I didn't really get that um, Isabel was sad that she was losing Dirk, but Mm -hmm. that was my read. I could be wrong. Like you get, I guess you get passion in Danny is madly in love with Isabel, but it's a, it's a one-sided passion. And it's not, it's acted on in that suddenly, I guess, Isabel becomes Danny's sex slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still, like, we don't see that, you know? 
And it's another interesting, like we said, this is for a De Palma film that is clearly, like, um, tr not trying to be, but is, I maybe assumed would be more risque. Like, I mean, we've got dildos, but we don't do much with them. Exactly. It's, it's interesting. It's, yeah. it's a and I tease. Think that was the point. I think, yeah, exactly that. I think yeah. it is a tease and it is kind of playing with the idea of these beautiful, beautiful women who talk about sex and touch things that are sexy, but we don't ever see them really engaging in or enjoying sex. Mm -hmm. I think that's also, but I guess I don't know that that means anything or it's just like, that's part of this story and it makes it entertaining. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it-ish. I did. I, I enjoyed it because, I mean, it really is the kind of film, as much as I felt like I knew what to watch and who to pay attention to, don't go in that bag. Um, I, I like, there were things I predict, okay, as soon as Rachel McAdams is talking about her twin sister, I'm listening really intently and I'm like, okay, so there's a twin. And even though I didn't expect the twin to come back the way she did, I still thought, I'm like, well, they're not just going to drop this. Like, that has to mean something because it's a Brian De Palma film. Yeah. Like, I watched it kind of knowing certain things would would happen. Um, but it still is such a, a strange trajectory that I it's both predictable and unpredictable. And so I enjoyed being like, I think I know where this is going, but is it going there? So, yeah. I, I think I like it more now, now that we've talked about it. Yeah, I just, for me, it was entertaining. It was a mess. Um, but it was fun to watch. Yeah, was, I enjoyed it too, but I kind of let the messiness of it overtake me this time, I think. Mm, I could see that. Which is a shame. I don't want that. I don't want it. You think of a lot of De Palma stuff and you're kind of looking for a lot of things, I think. And when you have a director of kind of that history, I think you expect that there's there's something more to what you're seeing. Yeah. And in this case, I don't know. I don't... There might have been. And again, listeners, if you guys think there's more, you know where to go. It's called Facebook. Tell us if there's more. Um... And I don't know if that would make me like it more or less because this is one that like once I kind of got that I I don't know that he's making any grand statements about feminism. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know what? It's enjoyable to watch Rachel McAdams be a cunt. Yeah, she she was real, she was my favorite part of this yeah, movie. Yeah, she's great. She really is great. Um, she gets she had that like big it girl thing for a while and then um, has kind of kind of not fallen off the map, but just hasn't I think gotten to like sink her teeth into really good roles and this one she's yeah she's great because she's such the perfect ice queen just her look is right the way she carries herself yeah very fun to watch yeah nobody can insult somebody more passive aggressively than rachel mcadams <laughs> it's true mm -hmm. so i guess uh you got more or should be rated um i don't think so I don't think I have anything else to say. I think I've expressed that I I don't understand a lot of what's going on in this movie. Um, I really do want to read though and, and see if, if if I wasn't supposed to understand it, yeah, or if it, other people didn't understand it, or I'm just stupid. I really I, would like to know. Well, 
you know, stupid is as stupid does. That's true, that's what they say. I never quite understood what that meant, but that's, that's what it is and does. Just curious now if Love Crime is on Netflix. It is on Netflix Instant Watch. It is. French director Alain Cuneux delivers a chilling tale of two ambitious women, a senior executive and her eager young assistant. It's been added. I want to watch it. This one's interesting, too, because it's Kristen Scott Thomas in the um, Rachel McAdams role. Super, super. So I think there's a big age difference, which is also an interesting... um, That could be very interesting. It could be, and it makes that it, did that was present in this film at all? No, because and it, oh, I think very deliberately, because in the very first scene, the way the two of them are like cuddled on a couch, um, like pitching ad campaigns to each other, it's like they're friends, not coworkers. Yeah, like or it's like they're coworkers on equal footing. Like the way they act with each other in that first scene, yeah, is not the way you would act with your supervisor, but it could be the way you would act with like your fellow um, employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, he kind of, I think, even does that delivery where he's setting up this thing just so we can turn it. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see it with the, the age difference and see how, how that's different. Uh, yeah. So to rate it, I'm going to go as a movie. I'm going to go 6.5. <sighs> yep. And- my enjoyment grades higher because again I enjoyed this movie much more than I'm willing to say it was good yeah I think it was well made because it's Brian De Palma and he knows how to make a movie um but my enjoyment's probably like 7.25 yeah 7.5 yep it's fun to watch weird as all hell but fun to watch okay so that was our weird as all hell weird as all fashions um Try saying it, like, the right way. And passion? Not, you can do it. See, I can't not say passion. Oh, you have to whisper it? I have to do kind of the sexy whisper. It's just a word that demands it. Passion. See? See? Didn't that feel right? That felt right. Sure. Can't tell me that didn't feel right. Okay, so before we get into our next episode, um, which I'm really excited about. I am also excited about. It's going to be good. Before we do that, Christine, do you have a Netflix instant pick for the people? I do. And this was actually recommended to me by one Randy Katzen, uh-huh. if you're familiar with Randy. I am. Um, I finally got around to watching it. Okay. Um, you might have actually said something about this, too. I have no memory. I didn't realize that this movie was a Ben Wheatley movie. Oh. It's I know what sightseers. Saying, it's been on my queue forever. Okay, everybody kept saying sightseers, 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 and then I kept thinking like I have to watch that new Ben Wheatley movie that's streaming. I can't not watch realizing sightseers. that they were the same movie. Aww. I want you to watch it. It's been on my instant queue forever. Um, as has Kill List. <gasps> you still haven't seen Kill no, List. You know what? Oh my god! I didn't tell you when fate intervened one night. One night I was like finally I had like nothing all night. It was like Saturday night. I'm like. I can sit home and I can watch... Because I've never watched Kill List because everybody keeps saying it's the kind of movie that's best watched in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And most of my movies on Instant Watch I tend to watch like commuting to work. So I didn't want to watch it that way. I felt like it would be doing the movie injustice. Um, so it was like a Saturday night. I was home alone. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to watch Kill List. So turn on Netflix Instant. Go to the queue. Press play. And that's what happened. Oh my gosh, nothing happened. I that movie. 
other things played, and I forget what I ended up watching that night. I think I watched, um, oh God, some, might've been like Alice Kills. It was some like other like Netflix horror movie. But Kill List was like the only thing on my queue that wasn't playing. What a bummer. And it did not want me to watch it. And Sightseers has just been in my queue and then I forgot about it. So it Yeah, um, you'll really, I think you'll really like Sightseers. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and I recommend it. It's very different, but yet it's, yep, that's what that guy does. Okay. Um, I liked his segment in, uh, not VHS, ABCs of Death. I really, really won't see it for that reason. His is like way at the end of the alphabet, so you gotta get through a lot. Yeah. All right. My Netflix instant pick, I'll have you know, is... Um, this was actually recommended or pointed out that it was on instant, um, by Elizabeth on our Facebook group. Thanks, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Um, guys, because it's on there, why wouldn't you be like, I got nothing to do for the next 80 minutes. I don't know, watch Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> it's on Netflix instant. What? I had I'm no idea. I know. Say it. I had no idea until I saw that too. I'm surprised not recommending it to me. Weird. Keeps recommending VHS 2 to you. That's why. It's too busy doing that. I mean, I, I assume all of our listeners have seen Maximum Overdrive. Um, so, I mean, I'm not talking to the ones who haven't seen it because I know that right now you've just paused everything to stop and watch it. But for those who've seen it, it's never a bad time to rewatch it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maximum Overdrive, man. Do it. Morse code, bitches. Uh, okay, so, Christine. Uh-huh. Um, so, the next episode, it was my turn because you picked fashion. Uh-huh. I had what I thought was a pretty smart idea. Do you think it's a smart idea? Uh-huh. Do you remember what, what I said? I no, I remember. Okay, okay. So I've had a movie on, like like we both said, we both have like a long list of movies that we both want to cover. Um, mine's actually written down. I don't know if Christine's is. No, most of it's just in my heart. Yeah, see, I figured. Um, my, so my heart's, my heart's a messy, messy place, Christine. Things get lost there. <laughs> so for the longest time... I have wanted to cover um, a movie from, I think, 86, starring um, Long Island's own Ralph Macchio. Uh -huh. um, it is a one of those, like, what do you call it? I kind of call them, like, alternative musicals, where it's a musical, but it's not really musical. It just has music is very important in the, mu in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and that movie is Crossroads. I believe it's directed by Walter Hill. I want to double-check that. Um, Ralph Macchio, Jamie Gertz. Um, story of a musician who travels down to uh, Crossroads and Cross Worlds. I'm just trying to double check. Oh, Joe Seneca is, is his name. I can never remember his name. Um, yep, directed by Walter Hill. Uh, story of the man who sells his soul to be a better musician. There is a lot of jazz music. There's a lot mm -hmm. of violining. There's a lot of like Satan stuff, maybe. Uh, whatever. It's Crossroads in 1986. And now, if you got a pair of movie with Crossroads, uh, Christine, I guess you should pair it with a movie that has a similar title. You should. And now there, there are, believe it or not, there's more than one. Um, there's apparently some, like, religious drama with Amy Acker in it that we could have done. But guys, come on. We're the feminine critique. We're not gonna let an opportunity to cover the Britney Spears, Dan Aykroyd road movie Crossroads just go, right? <sighs> I am really excited about that. Have you ever seen it? I have not. I've seen bits of it. And 
if memory serves, I think we will have fun. I look forward to it. Yes. Um, so that is the show. Uh, just like our Deep Blue Sea coverage, it will be uh, Crossroads Crossroads. Yay! It's about time. Right? I know people out there have been TikToking, waiting for us to do it. Yep. You guys didn't put it on the recommend list because you assumed it was already like next to me. Like, In the works. Now, yep. I will have you know, um, we both meet, meet, need to get crafty uh, because the Britney Spears Crossroads is a very long wait on Netflix. Man, they, you'd think they'd be on top of that shit. I think. Um, I have a feeling the DVD might be out of print. Yeah. It's on, uh, on Amazon. It's not on Prime, but you can, it's, it's $2.99 to watch. Um, that's probably what I'll end up doing. Mm-hmm. So, but the DVD is like 80 bucks. I don't think they're making DVDs of Crossroads anymore. Jeez. It seems like a missed opportunity. There's clearly a big market for it. Obviously. We can't be the only podcast out there who's going to pair it with the Walter Hill film. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's that. Um, Christine, if people want to talk to us about the deep underpinnings of passion and the timeline of Foxfire, where can they go? They should go to our Facebook page. They should indeed. They should just search Feminine Critique. It'll probably come up. It will. Join join us. Join us. <laughs> join us. It'll be fun. All right. So that's all we got, right? Right. Okay. Ask Cam it away then, folks. Ask oh, gosh. Cam. We didn't even talk about that. Well, there's Ask Cam. Okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. That's what we needed to know. The whole... The whole ad campaign for um, Passion was a girl putting a cell phone in her tight jeans and filming things from it, right? Yeah. And, like, just being like, this is my girlfriend, and this is her tight jeans. Yep. That was, like, the ad that was supposed to change the world. It like, did. The Apple It got 10 of, million views 10 million in hits. five hours. Seriously, we haven't gotten that many downloads in a year and a half. Yep. So we're doing something wrong is all I got to say. So, Christine, you got to go blonde. I've got to go bangs or redhead. Okay, go redhead. What if I did brown bangs and a redhead bob? And then I'm like a combination of both. Oh, don't do that. Makes me a superpower in my own way. We'll find out if that works out on the next episode of the Feminine Critique. Good night, folks.